Hey there, welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, where we empower and uplift women to succeed and thrive in their professional life whilst looking after their well-being. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the issues and challenges faced by women in the workplace with particular focus on gender equality. We believe that every woman deserves the opportunity to excel in her career regardless of her gender, and we're committed to helping women break through the barriers that hold them back. Join us every week as we hear from experts, share stories and give advice. We've got an incredible community of women who support and encourage each other and we're so happy that you are here. Let's break down the gender barriers and create a more equitable and inclusive workplace for all. So welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast. I'm really excited to welcome this week's guest. We have Paula Fry, who is Global Head of Fixed Income and FX Trading Liquidity at Bloomberg. Welcome to the podcast, Paula. Oh, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We did a little pre-poddy chat, didn't we? And it was very enlightening. Your experience is incredible. So I think the listeners and viewers are just going to be fascinated. I want to delve straight in. Your, and I just said this off camera, didn't I? Your career today is one of those like, oh my God, how the hell did she do this? Um, I just want to read a little bit out on, because I know that you've won uh, Excellence in Leadership Award. Um and you're just sort of making waves for for women in finance. So you began, you were you've worked in the financial markets for 30 years. You began your career as an FX trader at Goldman Sachs, um, yeah. and then you pivoted to FX sales, working at different banks, and uh, the only woman on the trading desk, which I want to get into. Um, talk to me, talk to me about that. How how did you get into it, and why? Well, do you know? It's funny because when I was a youngster, you know, I grew up in in Wigan, in Lancashire, and um, I actually, you know, I left school at sixteen. I was a travel agent. I, I used to work in Thomas Cook on a Saturday when I was fourteen, uh, stamping brochures and and what what whatnot, and I loved it. And um, they offered me a job when I was sixteen, and I was like, I'm off. Like I didn't want to do A levels. I'd had enough. And and like getting a job in the mid eighties. You know, I, it was quite hard. You know, it was very recession hit times. So I wanted to get out and, and work. So actually, um, it's funny how I actually ended up in investment banking was at Goldman Sachs was um, I worked in a travel agent. I was booking travel. And then uh, I met my husband on holiday when I was 17. And I moved down here with Thomas Cook. So they let me transfer down south. And um, me and my then boyfriend were, um, you know, uh, living in living in Kent. And I decided I said to said to him, we got married in in the early 90s and I was like 22. So that was like normal. And now if like, you know, it's it's it, it would be like, sorry, you're a child's bride. But, you know, then it was normal. So I got married. I got married at 22. And I said to my husband on holiday, we, we got married in St. Lucia. And I said to him, Do you know, when I get back. I'm going to go and work in London because you can earn more money. And I got a transfer um, up to Thomas Cook in, in the city, but they had like, an, they they called them, and they still kind of do, I think um, people have them, but they're called in, travel implants. So you go and you book all the business travel for that business, whatever it is. And this was an investment bank. I didn't know what an investment bank was. Little, I didn't even know what Goldman Sachs, never heard of them. Um, and there were a very niche investment bank then, probably about a thousand people based in um, 
in London. There was, you know, a, they had um, had a, the head office in New York, which was obviously bigger and a, a bit of a presence in Asia. And I started working, booking travel, business travel for all these really aggressive traders and investment bankers. And um, it was really tough. But I used to go up and down to the trading floor all day, delivering tickets and money, travel money and chit-chatting to people. I got to know people. And I used to deal with all the travelists, all the assistants on the floor that used to book. You know, their, their job was to book travel and get lunch and run around after these very important men. Like, you know, and I was like, do you know what? I could do that. And they earned then double what I earned in Thomas Cook. And I was like, you know, my aim was like, I, I can do that. I can get that job. And um, I kind of wheedled my way in and I got a job on the uh, foreign exchange trading desk as the assistant. So I used to work for about, I had um, had a good like probably 40, 50 blokes, all blokes that I worked for. And I would get their lunch. I'd run around, you know, answer the answer the phones, um, get lunch, run around, booking their travel, you know, running up to Ferragamo to go and buy a scarf for their wife, you know, because they'd forgotten it was their birthday. It was this sort of stuff, all, all like really mind bending things. And um, I could do it standing on my head. But I used to work from, I used to be on the trading floor at seven, and I used to finish at seven. So I used to do a twelve hour day. And um, it was knackering, but it was, I loved it. And it was like proper, it was early 90s, so it's proper shouty trading floor, you know. Mm. Um, and I did it for six months. And my boss at the time, I kept sort of saying to him, can I do something else? Can I book trades or can I learn how to do this sort of stuff? They offered me a junior trader's job. Wow. So that's how I got into trading. Like I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know what a trader, what a trader did, or I didn't even know. I mean, probably I spent my, I probably spent my first um, probably six months in that job going to the toilet a lot. <laughs> Do you know what I'm hearing you say, though, from all of that? Like, that happens to people that show that um, passion, that drive. Like, you wanted it. You had a vision. You wanted to earn more money. Um, and it's only monetary, actually. It wasn't. I mean, you know, I never thought, oh, I want to work in a bank or I want to be a trader. Yeah. Or I mean, I didn't you know, the concept of, um, you know, trading and, and how that makes money for a bank and what you, you know, that didn't even occur to me as something that could be actually quite exciting and, uh, you know, adrenaline pumping. But, I, you know, no one had ever talked to me of careers at that when I was at school in Wigan. It was like, you know, you, you know, do you want to be a nurse uh, <laughs> or a secretary, you know, or, you know, it was, you know, even like it was, I remember once saying, oh, I really like animals when I was about 13. I'd love to be a vet. And then they were like, well, you've got to go to school till, you know, whatever. And I was a bit like, oh, no, sod that. I'm not, I know, I don't want to, I want to be out do, doing. Yeah, this is what's coming up with the work we're doing at Jobs for Women. It's like the careers people don't have that corporate, you know, view of the world. And it's kind of like you go down this route and it's all very linear, but there are so many ways. And this is what we're trying to do, like open, especially the younger women we work with, open their eyes to the possibilities. That's why speaking to people like you, it's I want to inspire them to think outside the box and look at what's out there. Just going back to that trading floor when you were doing your 12-hour shifts, did mm. was it the misogynistic, typical sexism back then? Was it was it really overt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't quite 
I mean, Goldman, to be fair, wasn't quite Wolf of Wall Street, but uh, but yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I mean, a lot more. I mean, it was early 90s, so it was, you know, and generally then it was kind of thought, well, you only trade until you're about 30 or early 30s because then you're burnt out. That was like the thing, you know, and obviously there was there was a lot of alcohol and um, a lot of drugs, you know. I mean, I didn't I didn't ever see anything like that directly certainly never on a trading floor um but there was a lot of that going on in the city huge amounts you know and and people kind of you know it was very you just rolled out of that kind of yuppie or you still I guess were a little bit you know but when you think about it when I started at um GS like we didn't have email that's it's so crazy isn't it it's like talking to yeah but I talked to one of my team about this like not longer and they were like what do you mean there was no email? But how did you tell each other stuff? I was like, oh, I said, uh, and I, 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 and I went, see this <laughs> writing, you know, like get this a paper. You're like, you read something, and you'd go like one of your jobs as a junior would be to go around in the morning and give all the um, the market commentary out that used to come on a fax, wow. and you photocopy it, and then you would go around and you would give it out, and then. You know, you'd you'd have that on your desk all day, that that bit of commentary. Um, and we used to do things like speak to each other. That was quite that's quite novel. Um, or you'd have like um, you know, we'd have things called hoot boxes. So you would, you know, you'd speak over the hoot, so you would be able to address lots of people. So, you know, people sat down in the morning and had a morning call, like and everyone, all different parts of the business around around the trading floor would 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 give a commentary about, oh well, we've got, you know, either you know, I don't know, the CPI numbers out today or the Bank of England are, are going to talk about raising rates or maybe, you know, um, you know, the actually it wouldn't have even been, I guess, the ECB then, back, back then. But um, so there was lots of like, there was lots of that type of, um, you know, it was a it was a bit more, hand, it was a bit more hands on, whereas now, obviously, you know, you, you get your, you know, your morning wrap, you get in an email, yeah. you know, you yeah. read. there isn't that, there was a lot, there was a lot more. And I think, you know, you, I was very lucky. I, I was very. I mean, I know you you make your own luck for a certain extent, but you know, to your point of yeah, I did. I worked really hard, and I I wouldn't have said I necessarily wanted to be a trader, but when it was offered to me, I was like, why would I not? Yeah, what an opportunity! Yeah. And then and then talk to us about the leadership award and and what leadership means to you because this is coming up loads. Like in our survey and our themes that we're pulling out, it's like, well, I don't see a woman at the top. There's no one that looks like me it's all men above glass ceiling it's like this is a huge piece and obviously we know that women at the top make uh, companies more money no brainer and also they make companies more innovative more diverse more dynamic what does it mean to you you know like winning that award and can you talk us through that yeah so I mean it was myself and one of my colleagues um my work wife Cat, I love that. Uh, you know who, who uh, you know I, I adore, and um, we, we, you know, we do a lot of work together. She works in a, a kind of a different department to me, but we, we, we work together. We have to work together. It's very important. Um, and we, and we got vote. Yeah, we got voted for by um, not only our staff but our clients, which was amazing. Um, so it, it meant, it meant a lot. Um, it meant an awful lot actually to be, to be recognised in that way. Um, and it, it was a bit of a surprise as well. Um, never won anything like that before. But it just gives yourself gives you a little bit of a recognition. And I've I've had terrible imposter syndrome, you know, throughout my career. And certainly, you know, I spent fifteen years at um, an investment bank. You know, 
as a trader doing an actually good job obviously because otherwise I would have that you know they're not they're not shy at getting rid of you if you don't if you don't make money um or you're not you're not a good employee um but I constantly always have this feeling that somebody was going to tap me on the shoulder every single day and say you need to go like you know you're, mm, how did you get this job you know that, that sort of thing I, I always felt like that always and I did get let go in 2008 in the crisis and it was also like it was also then like the little imposter syndrome went ah told you told you you weren't good enough but I'd done it for 15 years you know my my time was my time was ripe to move on um so it wasn't until kind of that I guess that you know my leadership journey has been very long to be fair you know I haven't done I run my own company for a little bit so that was that's what my first step to leadership was I guess but I've always been the type of person that kind of you know I lead by example I've sometimes led without being the manager you know because it's kind of my personality so whether that's you know trying to push people or help develop people um that are that are my peer group because I'm sort of thinking well they're really great or they're great you know I've always kind of done that even when I was uh you know when I was in investment banking and I didn't have many women around and every time a new woman started I was like right (laughs) get in my crew you know always always kind of um trying to scoop people up um but the 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 award last year was kind of like um was a nice recognition to like oh actually no I I think I can do this people people like working for me yeah I love that how did you deal with that imposter syndrome back in the day well I I, I still have it so the thing is it doesn't go away it's just almost like it becomes a bit of a like a bit of your pal you know you've just got to accept that it's part of you and it's always going to come and it comes up in at times when I really could do without it but it also helps you it also having that little voice of "Hmm, can you really do this just make keeps you on your a-game a little bit so you don't get complacent about stuff like so I listen to it if it sort of comes and it's you know whittling in my ear I sort of I you know I sort of let it wash over me accept it and okay yeah no I hear you but I'm not listening to you and then sometimes I think oh yeah no actually no have I prepared for that enough do I know that well enough yeah so you almost use it to your use it to your advantage like yeah I, I think I think also actually what we we've all everyone's got it I think men have got it as well right but they're just they definitely hide it a lot more than women do I think women pay probably far too much attention to it I think I think you know if you if you get up maybe people like I don't know Elon Musk has not got it right you know <laughs> but I think in general Trump you know there'd be lots of people that are probably not got not not don't listen and don't have that ear you know mm-hmm. think they're wonderful but actually have it it puts you in check doesn't it like mm, yeah. actually just need to just and I'm not good at everything I know I'm not you know that's important it's like that's all part of being a good leader is like okay what are my strengths I know what my strengths are yeah well you're so grounded as well and that's why I think you you would make a great leader because you're so personable and real it's like there's no you know I don't know there's no pretense there's no facade it's like this is what you get and I love the way you said come to me you know when the women arrive it's like come 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 to me so before we well, get I, I definitely used to do D and I before D and I was a thing you know I, I it, it, yeah. it was just it was it was just community building 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And that's what it is, isn't it? Um, so we're obviously going to chat about um, your the documentary you did with Davina McCall. But just before we dive into women's health, because we could talk for hours on that, what advice would you give to someone listening that wants to get into finance or wants to be a trader that maybe has imposter syndrome, that doesn't know what to do, that's got a rubbish careers advice if they're that young? Or if they're thinking of doing like a career transition, have you got any top advice that you'd give them? So I think for youngsters, I think what, um, particularly when we're, 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 talking, we're talking about girls here, because I think guys are a lot more, you know, certainly when I talk to young men who want to maybe work in finance, they're consuming so much information. They're very gung-ho and, and, and kind of that trader mentality of like shouting it's not it's not quite like that anymore but it, um you know they've they women sort of think oh it's going to be a really aggressive environment one it's not like that anymore I by the way I love that about it I, I love the shouting and the screaming it was great fun <laughs> um, I'm just gutted you can't do it anymore um but um but it's it's to think about look university is one way um and that's where you need to make sure you're looking at doing the right kind of subjects and it doesn't necessarily have to be politics and, you know, business per se. But um, we definitely don't have enough women in finance that do kind of the, you know, kind of the STEM subjects and and like maybe come in and do like things like um, engineering. You know, women are really good computer programmers, by mm-hmm. the way. But they just, again, they think about it differently. And we just, I mean, we don't have enough across everywhere and we see it I mean I was on a call with about 50 engineers the other day who were in management two women so you know I am still when I do my kind of stuff like you know um I I was at a client thing a few weeks ago and um there was uh you know 12 I think 10 10 of us around the around the table I was only I was only woman it doesn't surprise me though I know. So look, the thing is, 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 is advice is like university is one way. Apprenticeships are another way. Lots mm-hmm. of banks and tech companies now do that. So if you're if you do your A-levels, you do well, you can do that at 18, learn on the job, get some get some experience and you get kind of a degree. You can you can also study on the side. Um, those are awesome. I think I'll, we've, we've almost gone full circle where, you know, back when I started, we did take people without degrees but there was no apprenticeship program. You just learned on the job. Uh, then we went, you know, the whole finance industry went very heavy, you know, kind of those Ivy League type type unis and certain types of grades and, and all that sort of thing. You do need to work hard. There's no doubt about that. Um, but again, now there's more, there's a lot more um, thought around um, hiring people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and there's like that richness that that brings because you really don't want to work anywhere where everyone's a bloody same yeah you know from when you're looking at sort of DEI that sort of um you know inclusion piece and like just making sure actually like you you want diversity you know you want different different opinions you don't want everyone that's wearing you know I don't know a Ralph Lauren polo shirt and matching chinos uh, and you know went to some like you know I don't know played rugby and went and I'm and I'm sorry if anyone's if I'm describing anyone that's watching but you know you need we need we need we need we need those people but we need a bit of everything That's yeah and I, I love that we've gone full circle because 
you know, my kids, the thought of them going to uni, God knows how much that will be. Do you know what I mean? I love that it's, you know, not everyone has the opportunity to go to uni and companies are missing out on these amazing, incredible, talented hardworking people so I love that it's gone full circle and it's, and it's about hard work and it's you know I I had some work experiences in in my office a few weeks ago and um you know the advice to them was you know to be hungry and um you know think about you, you don't you don't know at 16 what you want to do you, you, you might not know at 18 it's, I, I think my daughter when she left uni when she was 22 she still wasn't quite sure what she was going to do you know um and so not everyone knows instinctively what what you want to do but also the important thing I think everyone you know and I say this to my kids is when I was young it was um thought that you you know you got a job or a profession you did it for the rest of your life till you died Mm -hmm. that's not the that's not the thing now you can you can have many career switches I have done career switches I've been a travel agent I did that from the age of 16 to the age of 24 uh, I was a trader. I did that, you know, until I was uh, nearly 40. Um, I did my own business. I had a fashion business. Um, I worked in a brokers. I worked in a couple of startups in between. I worked in um, I worked in another bank um, in sales. And that now I work in a tech firm. So, you know, how many careers have I had even, you know, and it's and it's OK. Like, cause, yeah, OK, look, you don't want to change direction every year but don't worry that if okay if I start off doing this this is what I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life that's not right and you can learn different skills um and you know one thing I learned when I left when I did leave banking and I went to do my own business which was totally not banking I learned so much about myself when I did that and what I can do and how I can bring that back into the finance environment or the tech environment for me um, all the all the other things I learned that I've again used on my leadership journey to be to be fair yeah that's that is such great advice just that that last bit as well it's like everything we do as long as we work hard and I love the way you use the word hungry with those work experience people if you work hard at anything every single thing you do comes back doesn't it you can use yeah. everything and that's great advice for our younger listeners because it's like you don't have to have all the answers now and career transitions can actually be more beneficial can't they in the future I mean I've I've one thing I've never I've never sort of um when the doors opened I've just gone with it I've never sort of said no a no to things um I've maybe thought about them but in general the the doors opened and I've gone through and again that's the other bit of advice I would say is like never be scared always think well what's the worst that could happen Right. If no one's going to, you know, if your hair's, legs are not going to drop off or you're going to die or going to lose your house or anything like that. What, so what's going to happen? It doesn't work out. All right. It's fine. What's going to happen? Yeah. It's not like it's OK to make mistakes. And that's part of life as well. Like, you know, you start off doing this. Oh, I don't really like it. You know, what I would say to people as well is, you know, don't do it in a week. And go, oh, I don't really like it. Like, yeah. you know, I've when I first started. Um, at GS but in the travel department I hated it with a passion for about and it was actually my husband said to me you either need to shut up moaning and get on with it or leave because you like you're driving me crazy and I was like 
actually, no, I I want to I want to see I I want to see if I can do this. And and after six months, I was like, oh my god, I love this. And I got really into it. And the same when I started trading, you know, I said, you spent a lot of time in the toilet. I was literally like, oh, my God, I can't do this job. But actually, I ended up really good at that job. And I loved it. So, again, you know, sometimes there are times when, you know, you've got to push through the difficult bits of jobs. I think you come out there and go, actually, I can smash that. I'm really good at it. But there is a, you know, people are nervous. And sometimes people are like, oh, no, I can't do it. And I do with my kids as well. You know, sometimes my kids have been like, oh, no, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Just, just yeah. keep, keep going. Keep going, you know. And then you might do it for a year and go, actually, no, I really hate it. And there's no point being miserable. Yeah, great um, advice. But sometimes you do, you know, get rid of that sense of entitlement, you know. Mm, interesting. Love it. I'm going to do that with my kids when they don't want to tidy the bedrooms and stuff. But, you know. <laughs> It's a teach my kids. It's all about consequence, you know. Yeah. You've got like, what is the consequence of you either not doing something or 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 doing something? You know, that yeah. was one of the big lessons my used to teach my kids. Yeah. You know, when they're trying to get me to, uh, I don't know, go to the shops at eleven o'clock at night because they'd forgotten that they needed to take some like you know cooking ingredients, and I'd be like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just that's just such great advice. I've been in that situation. You know, like at jobs when. When I was younger, not even twenties, and being like, I don't like this, and yeah, having it like ringing my mum and dad and stuff, and them just like, you gotta stick it out. So that's really good advice for even mm-hmm. anyone in early career. So let's talk menopause and women's health. I know we've been chatting. Mm-hmm. I, I always say I could just talk to you for ages. You're so mm-hmm. easy to chat to. But you were in a very popular documentary, Davina McCall's documentary, Sex, Mind, and the Menopause. Yeah. And when we did our little pre-poddy chat, it was enlightening. You should be the face of just talking about this subject because I think I feel like you just break down the barriers and it's kind of like, this is what it is. How did you end up in the documentary? So it was actually through work in a way, in the sense I was, so I, I um, the, the, the long-ish answer is I, I'd, I'd had a really bad perimenopause experience and I wanted to pay that, you know, pay that forward to the women coming up behind me. So I started talking about it a lot at work. And I was running um, at the time um, as a side hustle, the women's community at work, which is which is huge. We have a massive women's community at Bloomberg. It's it's 15 plus, 100 plus women um, and men, actually. It's men and women. And um, it, the pandemic made what the pandemic did do, I think, is make it really easy to grab loads of people on zooms you know and a lot of our events um we tend to do in person and or had been so suddenly we'd got this you know maybe more time on our hands and it, the ease the ease of getting these kind of um you know zoom things going so we did a few events i did it a lot internal first and then i started to get a bit brave and i'm like okay well let's talk about this in the whole city so we did a couple of them and it was after one of those that a lady came to talk to me from from one of the uh, ladies in media at work and said oh I know Kate Muir and I was like and you know I don't know who Kate Muir is and Kate Kate um was the uh, producer of the first documentary that Davina did which was in uh, so I did uh 22 didn't I sorry what year is it yes I did not at 22 you did one out in 21 so Kate did that and um, 
this lady at work said, oh, do you, do you want an introduction to Kate? I'm sure she'd love to talk to you. And I was like, absolutely. Like, again, you know, don't know. Why would I say no to that? I'm like, absolutely. I don't know where this is going to take me. So Kate and I met for coffee. We had a chat on the phone first. Then we met for coffee. Then I took her for lunch. And we really, really hit it off. And I said to her, you know, when are you doing, you doing another one? She, she, she got commissioned by Channel 4 to do another one. And I said, can you highlight women in not just financial services or the city, by the way, but just in profession, like professional women, you know, whether that be doctors, nurses, teachers, women in finance, lawyers, you know, because like if I'm if I'm going through it and I think I'm, you know, I had um, early onset dementia and I'm struggling with my job. What what else is going on? So she she bless her. She was like, well, I really want you to do it if, if I do do that. Um and that's how it kind of ended up, I guess. Like we, you know, I, I had to get approval through through work just just to sort of make the make the program. And um, and I didn't meet Davina actually until the day we filmed. Um, but she and I hit it off straight away, and we we kind of um, we'd had sort of a similar journey through menopause, you know, through perimenopause. Um, both very same age, I think, when we first started off, and what worked for us had worked the same, and. We had a lot of the same opinions and things like that. So that's how it started. And I mean, I think today, oh my my word, it's something like six, six million views or something like that. So it's amazing. Oh, I love it. And talk us through early onset dementia. I know we talked again in off camera. You've you've experienced, I mean, I know everyone has different experiences of menopause. And mm-hmm. when I interviewed uh, Helen Tomlinson, the government's uh, menopause advisor, she said it's really important to have this like allyship piece that some that we're all different that some women don't have many symptoms and some women really really suffer so talk us through what what when you talk about early onset dementia what 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 was that like just um so I got really bad um memory loss and it was like um it it almost feels like the way way you can describe it is you know um me sort of like look at, like chatting to you and looking at that which is a hand cream by the way and then um but not being able to tell you that it's a hand cream so you can't quite get the words it'd be like well you know that stuff you know you put it on your mm-hmm. your hands are dry you know it's it, it so you start I started losing words and I anticipated the loss of them so I could I'd be chatting away doing a pitch to a client and I'd be thinking I need to say say something and then I'd be almost, um, how can I describe it? Like trying to grab the word, but I couldn't reach it. I could sort of see it, but I couldn't articulate what that was. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. What, what, what am I trying to say? And what I, used to, what I used to do to try and cover up, I used to pause a lot and look serious and like frown and be like, right, let me just think about that. Yeah, yeah. Leave that one with me. Did that all the bloody time. And then um, I started to forget names. Um, I definitely would ask my daughter the same thing a zillion times, like, oh, you know, I, what are you doing Friday night? Be like, for God's sake, I told you, like, I'm you're doing this, we're doing that. So my kids noticed it. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, oh, I'm busy. And I've got, I've not long actually started my job at Bloomberg. It, I was, it, it was 2015, so I was 45. Um, and I had a huge amount to learn. And it was just mind-blowing very overwhelming so coupled with 
you know, it's overwhelming if you didn't have perimenopause. But have put, throwing that into the mix mm-hmm. made my job. I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like I found it really, really tricky. Um, and then the, so I definitely thought maybe the memory loss was, oh, could I have on early onset dementia? I didn't want to talk to my husband about it. Um, and I got a bit of anxiety as well. And, and you throw that into the mix. You know, it's you can understand why women get diagnosed with depression. Yeah. And also you can understand why women are leaving their jobs. Well, the easiest thing for me to do at that time, I'll be honest, would have been to go, ah, do you know what? I'm not good at this enough for this. And I, I did think that. I kept thinking, do you know what? I'm not smart enough for this. I'm not smart enough. It's too much to learn. It's too much to remember. Mm. How am I going to? I can't figure it all out. I just don't have the brain capacity. That's why I kept thinking. I was like, oh, I'm just too old to have the brain capacity. This is a new, this is a young person's job. And it's just where, you know, your roller coaster hormones are just a massive effect in, you know, your cognitive abilities to like to remember or even to articulate anything. You know, you just feel just felt very dead and I felt the the biggest thing and I I remember saying this I don't think they used it actually in the um in the program but I used to say to my husband for about a year I used to say to him um I feel like I I I look try to see through cotton wool and I can't see and it matter how many times I blink there's like a layer of 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 like cloud or uh, that's the only way I can describe it it was like cotton wool strands on the inside of my eyes so every time I looked out didn't matter how much I blinked I couldn't clear this fog and it was it was brain fog it was was very very and and I can I remember that feeling so well because I could describe it to him and he was a bit like oh yeah you're mad like you know I remember him just dismissing me a little bit over it and I just said to him I wake up in the morning and I can't clear my eyes you know was that that like a was it a kind of a gradual thing at perimenopause that the the symptoms it was gradual yeah I think it crept up on me for about three years actually when I think about it and then it roller you know I you know kind of like rolling that you know kind of um snowball down a hill you know and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and I think it started off quite small well I say small started off with like hideous like periods and really really heavy and very painful and I just was like oh I remember my mum going through heavy periods yeah it's just part of getting older so I just poke up with it and yet I could have gone and got them sorted out but I never did until eventually actually one of my one of my friends said to me oh do you know I I had that and you know, I, I got a Myrena coil and the Myrena coil changed my life really from when I was 45. That was my first kind of um, dip, I guess, into HRT because, you you know, you get some progesterone um, and that sorted my periods out. It didn't change my moods or anything, but it definitely sorted out the, the need for me to wear black a lot. And- in the documentary, there's a quote um, which yeah. I totally resonate with about being in a room full of men and then, can I check the chair before I leave? That mm-hmm. is like, I've every, I feel like so many women have been there. Oh, do you know, and it's funny because um, I think it was Kate, I think Kate Moore told me, um, yeah, it was, it was Kate, that um, 
after watching the documentary, somebody had gone gone to her and, and it was a lady, you know, not, not in my industry or anything like that, that said, oh, my God, like, you know, the fact that Paula talked about that, um, I've been through that. And, it you know, it made me, you know, really resonated. Like, I just thought it was just me that was, you know. But it is, it's the embarrassment of, like, thinking, oh, my word. And, and also, you know, men don't have this. You know, you stand up. You're having a heavy period. I can't use, um, I'm allergic to tampons. So I'd have like pillows on and um, I'd stand up. And of course, you just feel like you like you feel like you've had a baby, like the insides of you, you've dropped. And obviously, it's, you know, I'm being, I'm, you know, I know I'm being quite graphic, but, you know, that feeling when you're having a heavy period is not very nice. And you sort of stand up and I'd be like Ooh, trying to, you know, keep my composure and shake some hands with some men around a, around a boardroom table where I'm thinking, oh, my good God, like, you know. So that's why I ended up, black was my friend for a while, actually. I love, I love your honesty in talking about that. Um, I mean, growing up on my wedding speech, my dad even said I could be a gynecologist because my mum and I have had such bad periods and it's like the banter of the family that it's kind of like, and now I'm the same with my kids. So I love that I, when I read... When I read that in one of the write-ups, I was like, this is, we need to be talking about this because men need to understand that when you've stood up in that meeting, obviously they don't know in that meeting what's happening, but that women are going through it because this is affecting everything, gender pay gap, women in leadership. Women are fighting with these insane symptoms and then trying to have the face on, close the pitch, shake the hands. Like, it's crazy no, and, and all because you know we're the ones that um you know have to go through that you know and so actually what I will say is you know having them conversations about in you of what happens or what can happen during perimenopause and and be more open about that whole thing has opened up lots of conversations actually at work um about um periods as well for the younger women because we do have a very broad demographic in the city and there's women in their early 20s they don't necessarily want to talk about perimenopause um, despite the fact that I want to educate them, um, some of them, are, you know, think, you know, that's way away. Way but, you know, some of them are having heavy, super heavy periods now, like in the 20, my daughter sometimes has has had that. And um, so actually, it's, it's very topical to speak to them about it and period health. And, you know, um, we, we had something actually a, a little while ago at work where we got a groups of women together and men to actually talk about what happens, you know, why women can sometimes, you know, like it affects their mood. It can affect their, their actually ability to do their job. If you're feeling like grim, you know, and again, you know, um, I've urged younger women that have come to me saying, oh, I'm having a really bad period or whatever. Like, well, actually go and get it investigated. Or these are what I like, you know, different tablets you can take and stuff for the pain. Like, I think sometimes what we do is we think, oh, well, this is just part of it. And we're just going to crack on. We're actually, and, and I did that. And it was like, when I went and got myself sorted out, I thought, oh my God, I don't have to poke up with this. Yeah, I think we've come from generations of women have just been going through it for years. Oh, this is what we have. We have bad periods and we just, you know, some of us do and some of us don't. Yeah. And you but, just got to crack on. Yeah. But actually you, you need to sort of work out, you know, you need to look like, actually, can I, can I sort myself out? And a lot of the times you can. Yeah. Um, we, I know I've kept you for so long, but before we wrap up, I just want you to um, just share how you 
how specifically you manage your symptoms what did you do because I know it's like the whole HRT thing is controversial you know what we've been told in the past how, what, how did you help yourself so look um you know I'd when when I saw my doctor she'd kind of said to me about HRT and I said oh no no, no I'm gonna white knuckle it you know uh, you know HRT can cause breast cancer which again you know going back to that 2001 report um I think it was that uh which might you know I was in I was 31 then I remember my mum was on HRT at 51 and she suddenly come off it and then like white knuckled the rest of her journey which was awful right and she'd kept saying to me oh you can't take HRT gives you breast cancer and that's all she'd ever said to me like maybe once or twice so that stayed in my head and um when I started to do, thank God for the internet, my own investigations and stuff, um, and talk to my doctor, who was, I was very lucky. Um, I was like, actually, you know what? No, bring it on. And oh my word, I think when my symptoms were, were kind of at their peak, 46, 47, um, and I got Easter gel, um, I mean, mind blowing, you know, the difference. And you suddenly feel like, you know, 25 again. You know, it's ridiculous. It gives you your energy back. Now, it's not for everybody, but you know, if I, if I, if somebody put, you know, said to me like, you can live, um, you know, a, a healthy life. You feel great. You know, there is there is such a tiny percentage that you could get breast cancer, but do you know what? That increases with age anyway. And you know, I have regular mammograms. I check myself um you actually got more chance of getting breast cancer if you um you know drink a lot smoke a lot or you're obese the only thing I would say is like estrogel uh progesterone which you need and the other thing is testosterone makes a big difference um that's one thing but perimenopause and this time time of your life you need to look at the holistic way of 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 really you know your health so it's exercise everyone hates it me included you need to do it (laughs) Uh, it's moving your body, you know, lose it, you know, you know, use it or lose it, the classic. Um, you've got to move, um, keeping your brain busy, you know, not giving up your job, getting some help. And, you know, um, unless you really hate it, but, you know, for me, it's what keeps me young and energized and I think is keeping my brain going. Um, your sleep, super important, not drinking too much, not burning the candle, you know, it's none of it is rocket science right it's 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 it is holistic so you know if you take hrt it will 100 percent help with your symptoms but it's not you know it's not the silver bullet like if you're um you know drinking a bottle of wine every night and you don't exercise and you eat processed food my my guess is you're going to still feel a bit shit mm-hmm. oh that's such great advice i could talk to you i know i always say it but i just feel like <laughs> You've been there and done it. And I think you could help so many women. Well, so you, you come out the other end. That's the great thing, right? You do come out the other end and it it's a process, but you, you know, it's not, as I say, it's not for everybody and some people can't take it. But I think the more we talk and the more we work out what helps everybody, you know, um, but the, but the lifestyle stuff is, is really important. And I think that's sometimes not emphasized enough I mean Davina talks about it a lot as well she really looks after herself you know you it's it's moving I mean I don't you know Davina's amazing and you know she she's she works out a lot but even just doing like 
one, once a week or walking, you know, walking every day, that type of stuff, really good for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. If people want to reach out and connect with you, where's oh, yeah, the link? You? I'm all over LinkedIn. I LinkedIn's um, I think I'm the only point fire on there. Um I'm a bit of an Instagrammer. I don't mind um I, I Instagram as well. So I've got my my um Instagram name is City Fashgal. So I'm my definite um, you know, I work in finance so I can pay to buy lots of like nice dresses. <laughs> And I'll put all the uh, links in the show notes so people can connect. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Very welcome. I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Paula. She is an absolute legend. I love how honest, transparent and real she is and how it's kind of like there's no bullshit. You know, it's it's like this is what I did to get to where I am. And then this is what I've experienced along the way. And I love that raw authenticity. And I could have literally talked to her all day. And like I said, I think she should be um, shouting from the rooftops about this subject area. And if you haven't watched the documentary with Davina McCall, you should be able to get that um, on catch up somewhere. So that's it for another week, week, not weekend, week of the Jobs for Women, Jobs for Women podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure. I love having you here. Do me a favor and send this podcast to someone you think might be interested. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review. And if you haven't already, please head over and join the Jobs for Women membership community. Jobsforwomen.co.uk forward slash join. And I will see you next time. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye.